happening around us, it's difficult to remain in His presence 24 hours a day, amen. Um, and I think that it is God's intention, it is His will that we worship Him, amen. Now, you must understand certain things about worship. Most people think that worship is a song. Most people think worship is something that we sing or an instrument that is played. Those are the things that would help us to worship God. But those things are not worship, amen. So when you hear somebody singing and your voice is off key, doesn't really matter because that's not worship, that's singing. Uh, when somebody sings and your voice is on point, doesn't mean that it's worship. It just means that your voice is on point. Amen. Worship is always birthed from a relationship with God. And that if you have a relationship with God, worshiping God would become something that is second nature for you. But because we don't have relationship with God, it makes worshiping God difficult. That's why when five minutes into worship, we're tired. We don't have nothing else to say to Him because we think that worship is a song. Songs make us emotional. I'm caught up in your presence. Get emotional. I'm sorry. You get emotional. But that's not worship. And most of the times in the body of Christ, we replace music and instruments as worship. But those things are not worship. I want you to understand that you must be able to come into the presence of God when there's no music, there's no song. When you're driving and there's nothing playing, Father, I just worship you, I just love you, I just honor you. Most people think they're worshiping God because they played music. You played worship music, <laughs> but you never worship God. Mm -hmm. You played praise songs, but you never praised the Lord. So, so there's a difference, amen. There's a difference. The Bible says David praised the Lord. He danced before the Lord until his clothes came off. I think there's a level that we have to get to. I'm not saying get your clothes off now. I don't want that, amen. We still want our eyes, amen. We still want to see properly. So we, we're saying that if you have relationship with God, these things become very easy for you. If you have relationship with God, prayer becomes very easy for you. So I think that most of us, one of the most important things we need as a body of Christ, it's relationship. Failure to have relationship with God causes a whole lot of problems in our lives. Some of us miss God so much. I'm not saying miss him like we long for him. We miss the mark in a sense with God. A lot of us have come to the conclusion that we understand God, that we know God. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. So there's no way that we can settle within our minds that I know God. There's no way. It's a, it's a great thing to get to that point where you say, I know God. I know how he works. Personally, I'm serving God long. I still don't know how God works because sometimes I think he works this way. He'll change his mind and he'll work in a different way. Sometimes I think this day he'll move in a certain way and then he changes his mind, he moves in a different direction. So it, it, you can never get to that point where you say, I know God completely. Even his voice is very mysterious to me. I'm telling you. 
I'm, I'm telling you, even the highest prophets, highest, highest, highest prophets that we know in the nation will tell you the voice of God is very mysterious to them. It's difficult, Brother Emmanuel. But we come to this conclusion, oh, that the Lord said, I heard the Lord. What, what, what evidence you have that you heard the Lord? The only evidence you have that you can hear the Lord is when what you've heard comes to pass. It's true. That's the only... If I come tell you, I sense that you, 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 you're moving away from the Lord or I sense that you're not in line with God. It's difficult for me to look at you in your face to sense it. But if I sense it, there must be some way in this person's life that I'm talking to that moves away to know absolutely sure that I heard from the Lord. But I can't come and say I sense you backslide. Can I say I sense you backslide? Maybe the person's on fire for the Lord and I'm saying I sense they backslide. And when it comes to God, there's no sensing. Do you know that? When it comes to God, there's no sense. Either you know it or you don't. When it comes to God, there's no feeling. It's either you heard what he said. It's not I feel what he said. Because how can you feel someone said something? You have to hear what somebody says, not feel. Because a voice is not a feeling. A voice is you have to open your ears and hear. You understand? But we have come to the conclusion that I figured God out. Absolutely not. Prophet TV Joshua, most of us would think that he, he, he hears from the Lord, he hears the voice. Most of the things he said came to pass. How many of us know that sometimes he even missed it himself? Hundreds of times. One time he said that uh, Donald Trump won't be president, the lady will be president. I don't know what's her name. She said that lady will remember Donald Trump. Donald Trump became president as high as he is as a prophet who says he hears the Lord said on the day he said he heard the Lord say it wasn't his voice it was another voice but almost all the time he's been accurate how come now he's not hearing because the voice of God is very mysterious you you can't tell me you know the voice of God completely God wants you to develop the art of hearing his voice and there's certain things that we can we can pick up in the spirit or we can pick up and say hey God won't lead you God won't lead you into destruction like for example someone say I heard the Lord say I must leave the church you understand so now when the spirit of God says to you I hear the Lord say I must leave the church on what grounds is the Lord telling you to leave the church why would God say to you leave the church Unless you die, unless you're not growing, unless there's something, the church is really killing you spiritually. God will say, hey, hey, but it's even rare. Because majority of the time, growth is not dependent on what you hear on a Sunday. Growth is dependent on what you do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Because even that excuse is not even valid. That's not even valid because you come here two hours Two hours. Two hours can't determine your whole entire spiritual life. It's impossible. Impossible. Matter. I'm not growing. Two hours on a Sunday morning, and you're not growing. Something's wrong with your personal level of growth. Most people depend on the church to grow, but God says, "No, work out your own salvation." Not everybody else's salvation, your own. So you can't depend on two hours to determine whether the church is right for you or not. But Vincent is a serious thing. And it's something that we need to learn to overcome. When we learn to have a personal quiet time and a personal relationship with God, we'll overcome many challenges. But because we don't have that, it's difficult to overcome certain things. 
difficult to overcome certain Yes, there are times that God will place you in a ministry. But I believe that when God places you in a ministry, He never places you in it for... Some people say, I'm here for a season. You know, I'm, I'm just here to, for a season and stuff. I don't understand that seasonal thing. Personally, I don't understand that seasonal thing. Because when God places you, when you come to a local church, He brings you and He causes you to be part of a family. When you leave, don't blame God and say, The Lord said I must leave. Say, I wanted to leave. Not God. Don't put God in it. I'm not saying anybody's leaving. I'm just, just saying this. Don't say God told me to do it. I wanted to. I, this is what I, I know that I need to do. So I left. Or maybe I was offended, so I left. Maybe I don't feel like I'm getting enough spiritual nourishment, so I left. Like even when, when I left Durban Christian Center, because I was a pastor at Durban Christian Center, God was con- constantly speaking to me about my vision and what he has shown me. And he says, your training is now over. I was there serving for a while. He said, your training is over. He never said to me, leave. He said, your training is now over. So it is either that I go and speak to the pastor and something happens and then they maybe they release me because my training is now over. I learned what I needed to learn. However, though, I decided that the church would not be able to, to, to release me or send me because of various things that, that I saw certain patterns within the church. I felt that the church wouldn't send me. So I knew that I can't stay anymore. I knew I needed to leave. Yes, it was the prompting. I felt it was the prompting of the Spirit of God. You understand? But God never specifically said to me, leave. You understand what I'm saying? So you must be, you must be extremely careful. Because if you don't hear the voice of God correctly or accurately, you put yourself in big, big trouble. Big trouble. Not only you, your family. Not only your family, everybody around you that's connected to you. Because if you hear wrong, it's not only you, it's everyone else around you. When I left, when I left Durban Christian Center, must know now I was getting a I was getting a salary from the church. When I decided to leave the church, I never even think about my wife and uh, everyone else. I, honestly, I never think about. I just knew that hey, it's getting ugly. I need to go. So I left. And when I left, the amount of trouble I had for me it was that the timing was off. I knew I needed to leave, but the timing was wrong. So when the timing was off, it caused a lot of trouble. I caused, we suffered. Yo, we suffered. My wife just went onto maternity leave. And it, when, when you go on maternity leave, the Department of Labor gives you half of your salary and stuff. And then the, your job doesn't even want to give you something. Maybe they give you something small. So the money that she was getting, now I'm not getting a salary anymore. So I was... We suffered. We suffered because I never hear the voice correctly. We suffered. So don't play around, family. It's 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 nice when you grow to that point where you want to hear the voice of God. It's nice when you grow to the point where you can hear God speak to you. But be absolutely 100 percent sure that you're hearing from God. Scripture, and I'm going to share with you now. Samuel had that same thing. 
Samuel heard the voice because he couldn't identify who was speaking. He ran, yes, yeah, he ran to Eli the priest. He said, "Did you call me because that voice?" Imagine he went to Eli the priest, Leroy, because the voice that called him sounded similar to Eli. Why would he go to Eli and say, "You called me"? Because there was something about that voice that sounded like Eli's voice. I don't believe that Samuel and Eli were the only people around in the t- in the church. I believe there were other. Eli had sons, eh? Yeah. He had sons. I believe his son. Why he never go into one of the sons and say, "Hey, Exe, did you call me? What kind? Why you call me? I'm sleeping." He never do that. He went to Eli because the voice sounded like that. And most of the times you would identify that the voice, I'm not saying it is. Most of the times you would identify the voice of the Lord would sound like your pastor's voice. You know why? Because your pastor's constantly speaking to you. I'm not saying that I'm the voice of God. I would believe in some degree that when God speaks to me, I speak on, on his behalf. You understand? But I'm not saying that I'm the voice of God. So I believe that there's a certain degree to where you hear the voice of God. I'm telling you, we suffered terribly. Bad, 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 bad. Bad, 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 bad. Because we miss the voice of God. Be careful of missing the voice of God in your life. Are you with me? Let's read our Bibles, amen. Are you understanding where am I? In the imperfect will of God now. Amen. And I was telling, I was talking to my wife the other day. And I was saying to her, there's so many mistakes we even make in marriage. Do you know that? So many mistakes we make in marriage because we never hear the Lord speak to us. Hello, boy, are you? We never hear the voice of the Lord speak to us. I realize something, Caroline, is that in, in marriage as well, if the lines of communication are not always open, you, you leave room for other voices to speak to you. Do you know that? Eh? You leave room for other voices to speak to you. If the lines of communication is not open, it would be that Brother Emmanuel, somebody else would come and message you or talk to you because the communication between you and Caroline is not there. And you would feel some kind of way. I'm talking to you because I've experienced it. I'm not talking to you something that I haven't experienced. You know me, I'm always open. It's because some way you felt some way the communication line stopped and because of that another voice came and speak to your husband or another voice came to speak to your wife and when that voice came and speak to them it was now that they were leaning more to that voice than the voice of their partner so now you begin to find comfort in that voice thinking that voice is smoothing to you hey smoothing to you it's a nice voice you understand so you become comfortable with hearing that voice to the point where even when your partner speaks you don't even really hear them because they're hearing another voice another comforting voice you can even i love you 
I care for you. I'm with you. You will even bawl and cry and hail and roll on the floor. They will not hear you. Because there's another voice that is substituted or replaced your voice. And that's what happens in a place when we don't hear the voice of God. Another voice comes and replaces the voice of God in our life. And we think that what we are hearing is the voice of God. But the voice of God is birthed out of relationship with God. He says, my sheep know my voice. They listen when I Mm -hmm. So he says, my sheep know my voice. A stranger's voice they will not go to because they know my voice. I'm teaching today about the art of hearing, amen. A stranger's voice they will not go by. Why? Because they don't identify that voice. We must be able to identify the voice of God in our lives. I kid you not. If not, trouble, 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 and more trouble. This is a stranger they will not go to, but they will go to somebody that they can identify. So be careful of the voices. Your emotions can be a voice for you. You know that, dear? Yeah? Sometimes our feelings get in the way of so much. I'm not preaching yet, I'm going to preach. Sometimes our feelings get in the way of so much, so much, so much. We become emotional. What? Emotionalists, if that's a word. Is that a word? Emotionalism. Emotionalism. What? Sophie, is that a word? Emotionalist. Emotional beings. Hey, Elizabeth, how are you? I haven't seen you long, man. Emotionalist. Emotional beings, amen. We have to make up words. You must look in the dictionary and see if it's there. Candace, I know you're clever. Is it there? It's not there. <laughs> amen. So... Because everything with God or everything with our relationship with God, do you know most of the times it's based on 100% on how we feel? Like for example, hey, I feel like I needed to come to church today. Hmm? Next week, hey, I don't feel like it. Tonight, hey, I don't feel like it. Is that you? <laughs> Are you? <laughs> good, good. Hey, I don't feel like it. Why? Because it's feeling emotionless. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's how it works, Leroy. But we are not supposed to be emotionless. Emotion, see, I'm saying emotionless people. We're not supposed to be emotional people. We're supposed to be people that are led by the spirits. And the spiritual people that hear the voice of God. Not emotional people. So, you have to be here yourself and ready yourself so that God can speak to you. Now I'm ready to preach. Are you ready? Amen. So that was for free, right? That was for free. Amen. Hallelujah. Hope you like free things. Amen. Free things are good. Hallelujah. Amen. I would like to welcome everybody. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. I know there's a couple of people that are not here today. Um, some of them are working. Sister Doris and him are on a long holiday, if I'm not mistaken. Amen. They'll come back, I think, tonight, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but we thank God for their lives. Amen. And I know the, the, the long holiday, people take off Thursday, brother Emmanuel took off Thursday from work, amen, to enjoy this long holiday, hallelujah. So it's a good thing, amen. How many of us enjoyed uh, 
worship night amen it was beautiful right um the same team the same team uh anointed it's not anointed sorry grace enough they come in tonight to lead us into worship amen as well so and then we have pastor valley uh prophet valley eaton that is coming tonight he deals a lot with deliverance and all of these things he's coming tonight so we're going to be blessed tonight amen hallelujah so come five o'clock get ready to enter into prayer we're going to have an awesome time in the presence of god amen are you glad to be here turn your bibles with me to ephesians chapter 5 verses number 17 uh broken can you put it on the screen ephesians chapter 5 verses number 17 amen we're going to read the word of god together today and i know that god is going to bless you amen we're going to look at how people enter into the imperfect will of god right how people enter into the imperfect will of god ephesians chapter 5 verses number 17 but before we go to ephesians chapter 5 verses 17 i just want to point out from last week two two people that entered into the imperfect will of god uh let's look at leviticus 10 verses 1 to 2 leviticus 10 verses 1 to 2 and then we'll jump to ephesians chapter 5 amen are you there son Nadab and Behu took their senses okay is there right Aaron's sons Nadab and Behu took their senses put fire in them and added incense and they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord contrary to his commands so fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them and they died before the Lord amen let's look at that verse again Aaron's sons Nadab and Behu took their senses put fire in them and added in incense and they offered unauthorized fire unauthorized fire look at somebody say unauthorized fire before the lord amen contrary to his command contrary to his command so most of us and this is what i want to talk to you about most of us believe or most of us think that sacrifice replaces obedience to god sacrifice does not replace obedience to God you can come to church as many times as you want to come to church but if you are not obedient to the Lord your coming to church means absolutely nothing because God said that the fire that they offered was very strange unauthorized fire an unauthorized sacrifice because God is more interested in correcting your life even me God is more interested in correcting my life interested in making me okay rather than my sacrifice that I made to him because I can sacrifice to the Lord from morning until night but if I'm not obedient to his word my sacrifice is unauthorized it becomes a strange fire so God wants our sacrifice or God wants our worship or God wants everything that we do making sure that we become obedient to the Bible says what obedience is better than you can put a million rand in the offering i see you putting a million rand in the offering cassidy amen she's still in school hallelujah but she will put a million rand when she's yeah 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 somewhere there amen so that that million rand that she puts in 
God had spoken to her to do something that becomes an unauthorized sacrifice because God told her to get a life in check but she never get a life in check she came and she presented a strange fire thinking that it's, it's kind of like we buy God you know that uh, Kisha it's kind of like we buy God must I tell you why it's kind of like we buy God we don't say it with our mouth is that even though God is telling us something is not good for us we don't we don't respond to what he is saying but we come with our offering to give him in the baskets thinking that that thing will substitute that's why most gangsters and drug lords like to give to the church thinking that it's helping them some way that they would have an audience with God because they give to the church most of them, most of them. Sorry, even even some, even some, uh, and I think it's in the Catholic faith where there's something called penance. Am I, am I right? Where you, you, your good deeds, your good deeds. If you do a couple of good things, even in Islam, if you do a couple of good deeds, what would happen to you is that you'll be okay. But according to the Bible, the Bible says our good deeds is like filthy rags. So it's not good deeds that will get us into heaven. It's even a possibility to think about Mahatma Gandhi. He did a lot of good things, a humanitarian by nature. But it's a possibility that he might not even be in heaven. Oh, I mustn't say a possibility. To say a possibility, I'm giving that room for that. Why am I saying something like that? Because it's, it's clear to understand something that no amount of good things that we do would replace our obedience to God. It means that they enter into the imperfect will of God because they made sacrifices but they want obedience. Why didn't God stop them from making the, of the sacrifice? God will never stop you if your heart is rebellious. If you want to do what you want to do, God will never stop you. You know that? If you say, I want that man, I want that man, and God says, that man is not for you. And God is saying, don't, do, don't, don't go for that man. You will come to church thousands of times, offer thousands of offerings, but God will come back to you. You will say, I want that man, I want that man. God say, be obedient, don't want that man. Because no matter how many times you want that man, it's your obedience to God's voice. It's your obedience to what God said to you that matters. Not about how much money you give or what you do in the house of the Lord. So these guys, they enter into the imperfect will of God. And I said to you, it's the imperfect will of God. is what God allows. It's what God allows. It's not what He wants, but it's what He allows. And when you enter into the imperfect will of God, much suffering comes into your life. Much heartache and much pain comes into your life. Why? You've entered into a place that God doesn't want you to, Brother Vincent. Why? Because you're in the imperfect will of God. So we must move from being the imperfect will of God to the perfect will of God. I'm going to use another example. Job was in the imperfect will of God. Not Job, sorry, was it Job? A Jonah imperfect will of God God told him go somewhere he says I'm going somewhere else so he gets onto the boat storm come whale swallows him why because even though where he was going wasn't really that bad but God didn't want him to go there but God allowed him to go and when he when he decided to go trouble came so when you are in the imperfect will of God you are in trouble most of the challenges that most of us are experiencing is not because of anything else. It's because we are not in the perfect will of God. God wants us in the perfect will. Some of us, we're experiencing relationship problems only because we're in the imperfect will of God. This thing here requires a lot of examination. 
I'm telling you, it requires a lot of examination and self-examination too. Am I in the will of God or am I in the imperfect will of God? Am I in the perfect will of God or am I in the imperfect will of God? So there's, there's, no, there's no need for any one of us to cry and complain. All we have to ask ourselves, all we have to examine, Melissa, am I in the will of God? Simple as that. Doesn't that seem easy? But when you pray and say, God, put me into your will, it's one of the most difficult things you can pray. One of the most difficult things you can pray. And there was another one, I think it's in Mark chapter 2, verses 9 to 10. Let me just see what I wrote here. Mark 2, 9 to 10. Mark 10, 2 to 9, sorry. Mark 10, 2 to 9. Just turn to Mark 10, 2 to 9. The other thing about people entered into the imperfect will of God was... But the facts, are you okay? Are you comfortable? You'll enjoy this kind of teaching, right? So, the other reason, the other way people enter into the imperfect will of God, remember, I'm going to say it again, the imperfect will of God, Toffee, is what God allows but doesn't want. And when you do what God allows but He doesn't want it, you enter into trouble. Because it's not His will, right? So, when you look at Mark chapter 10, right, we're going to look... The Bible is talking about divorce. Can a man divorce his wife? And this is one of the most controversial topics we would ever encounter in our entire life about divorce. Is divorce the will of God? Can I divorce my wife? Can I divorce? Even though sometimes you might feel, hey, Charlie, a divorce will be better than to stay. Oh, come on, am I talking to some people today? Amen. Some people are like, hey, if God allowed divorce, hey, I would have divorced a long time ago. <laughs> hey, I tell come on, I'm never so faithful and true to say that. If God allowed divorce, most of us would have said, I'm gone long time. I'm gone. I, I'm not staying here. Hey, hey. I'm going to stay here with this. Wake up in the morning with this. So we would have we would have been gone long time. Most, majority of us would have been gone long time. Am I lying? I'm lying. I'm not telling the truth. Oh, it's the truth. I thought she said I'm telling lies. <laughs> we would have been gone long time. See, now you that got relationships, you can still hey, go anytime. If you feel that hey, this, this guy's not measuring up, he's not playing his role, you got no attachment to stay. Now us, like, she can nag, she can scream, she can do what she wants to do. I'm in it to win it. <laughs> I, I to settle with this, you understand, huh? Make you angry. You're going to say, hey, sorry, it's over, and walk away. Yeah. You have to come back home, baby. You have to come back and see your wife. So that's why I encourage the young girls and, and the guys in the church, make sure when you marry, you, 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 you know what you're getting into. Because marriage is not an easy thing. I wish somebody told me in the beginning that marriage is not easy. You understand? We just thought that, hey, we, we, we fell into sin. The first thing to do was to get married. In my mind. You understand? And then later on, 10 years married, we're still working, trying to work this marriage. 10 years later. How many years you married, La? Okay, sorry, sorry, wrong person I asked. Colleen, how many years you married? Nine years, right? But Dennis, how long you married? 
28 years. Are you still working at your marriage, Brother Dennis? Is it still every day you're working? Sister Carmen, you're still working at your every single day. 28 years and they're still working at their marriage. We 10 years, we haven't yet figured things out yet. I'm telling you. So now, this issue with regards to divorce, the question is, is it the will of God or is it the imperfect will of God? You understand? Because God had not intended for divorce. It was not God's will that you separate from your partner or your husband or your wife. It's not God's will. Even me, even, even in the most days that my wife makes me happy and I think, I'm sorry, makes me upset and I think that divorce is the only option. It, I, I don't think I will bring myself to do that. Yeah. Because I obey God rather, I would rather be miserable. I'm telling you. I'm, I'm, this is not for everyone. I'm talking about me because I take the word of God more higher than how I feel in my marriage. More higher than that. I, I take the word of God higher. Because most of the time, some of us, we can even testify that most of the times we're not always happy. It's rare that you would find a marriage where the person is 100% happy 24 hours a day. As long as you're living with somebody that's different than you, there'll always be issues. So you just have to get comfortable with living with one another and looking at each other's differences and so. But the issue with divorce, it's not God's will. It's not God. That's why when you see men of God divorcing, I say, Charlie, it's not God's will. You are in the imperfect will of God. And that's why it's, it's, only, it's only rare that when you enter into that imperfect will of God when you, when you, when you marry or when you get remarried, that the, your mindset of your, your new marriage has to change. You can't be like the same person that you were in your old marriage. Because you'll find out that your, your, your new marriage, you'll go through much trouble. Much, much, much trouble. Ask any person that might either divorce and remarry. We were talking to somebody yesterday in Woodstock. We, we, because we, we knew this person, and I know this person has lots of women. Yes. So I thought this person married all these women. Meantime, he never married all these women. He was just like in a lot of relationships. You understand? He wasn't like he married these people. And then Sister Zaini said, Hey, how many wives did you? He says, Not only one wife, my first marriage. Hey, but you are a womanizer, I'm telling you. And he only had his, his first marriage. And when he spoke about his divorce, it was like, Oh, yeah, I'm getting divorced. Like, it was just like, you know, it wasn't even like, I, I don't know. We, we can't talk about things that are not the will of God. Easily relax. You understand? We had to try. I would, personally, if I was getting divorced, I wouldn't even mention it because of how I would feel because I know that it's against the scripture. But now listen to this. And now I'm saying that this is, this is the scripture that it's not the will of God that you divorce. But it's also not the will of God that you be unhappy and miserable. So the question is that in this situation now with regards to the... Hey, I'm talking about divorce. I don't know why. I'm going to get into other things, right? In this situation with regards to this divorce thing, it's because God doesn't want you to be miserable and unhappy. Imagine in a relationship, in a marriage, and a person hits you. Right? 
So do you 100% with surety absolutely believe that it is not lawful? A man should not divorce his partner. You understand? He should not divorce. So you're getting bashed left, right and center. But you're holding on to the verse that I should not, I should not, I should not. Any, some, any person that is getting abused, it is strongly advised, whether on a relationship level or whether on a marriage level, to run away. Yes. Never to stay. Because that person can kill you. Just recently there was a sister in Ghana that passed away. A husband killed her. They were pastors. She was a worship leader. Privately, the husband was given her punches. She would go to the church. No, we, we don't do divorce. Divorce, giving her punches. Husband killed her. In a situation like that, what's needed? The voice of God. The voice of God. I, I personally tell everybody if you are being abused whether you married or unmarried run away run away that's for me I feel that's what God wants because God doesn't want because one day you get to heaven God's not going to say well done you did had a good marriage you got bashed up well done well done you stayed well done you stayed you, got, you, you were faithful you couldn't worship me because you were getting beat up you understand? So there's a fine, there's a fine line. Maybe you might all not agree with what I'm saying, but there's a fine line. So you have to know the, the, the line to draw. It's either you separate for a while until you know, or you don't even divorce, until you know without one without a hundred percent that this person is actually being converted. Because even the divorce and remarriage is another topic on its own. So you understand what I'm saying? So it's either you you do it and you go or you stay and you get beaten. But my advice would be don't get beaten. Separate for a season. Separate for years if you have to. If that means you know that this is what... But don't write a letter of divorce if you hold on to the verse so strongly. But God wants you to be in peace and God wants you to live happily. And so, but now look at this here. God allowed us. I don't believe personally you're going to go to hell because you divorced your partner. I don't believe. You understand? And every situation is very different. That's why I'm talking to you about the voice of God. Because the voice of God in this matter is important. Yes, God speaks to us through his word. It's absolutely sure. But there's no verse in the Bible that says, Caroline, leave Emmanuel. Hmm? Now there's a verse that says, leave Colleen. You won't find it, so you won't get to know that verse. Paul even says, if your unbelieving husband wants to leave, let him leave. But what I've noticed is that an abuser never leaves. Yes. He never leaves. He'll abuse you and he'll use your Christianity against you. Because he knows that the, I've, I've seen, I'm kid you not, I've heard people say, you're a Christian, you can't divorce me. I'm going nowhere. We are in this for life. And he's beating the person up. Beating the person up. Beating. The first time I was on one gospel, that's when I heard a case like that. I was on one gospel, a lady contacted me and said, Pastor, I need prayer, please. This one, I wrote a book, it's called Spiritual Abuse. And I use, I use her experience in the book 
to understand how people get physically abused and how we tell them even when it comes to spiritual abuse if you are being abused in church the best thing for you to do is leave the church but we have to talk about what spiritual abuse actually is right so she came to me she said pastor hey my marriage that was years ago i don't even remember when i was on one gospel years ago she said hey my marriage my husband abuses me verbally he left me he took all the money and he went away i said he left you if he left you you never leave him so let him go let him go he's abusing you she's scared for him scared of her life and so I said, you don't need to stay in an abusive relationship. So you've got two options. You can leave him for a season or you can, if you feel that maybe you still love him and you still want him to change, leave him for a season. And so because God doesn't want anyone to be unhappy. This topic is important to know the voice of God. But this verse here takes another twist and another turn. That God allowed them to divorce because their hearts were hard. It wasn't what he wanted, Zama. It wasn't what he had in mind. He says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and cling to his wife and the two will become one flesh. It wasn't his intention for people to divorce. But because of the hardness of hearts, he allowed it. Let's look at this, right? Some Pharisees came and tested him by asking him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Verses 3, Brogan. What did Moses command you? He replied, verses 3. They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. Look on what ground. It was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law, Jesus replied. So, in, 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 in the law, Moses wrote that if a man wants to dismiss his wife, and some for sexual immorality issues, right? If a man wants to dismiss his wife or leave his wife or divorce, he must write her a certificate of divorce. Because that's how the law was. The law is that if I want to leave my partner because I'm unhappy and I'm miserable, the only thing I can do is go for a divorce. So that's what we call divorce in today's age right to go to court sheriff come you give them uh, they send you a summit of divorce and then the scripture says it was not so like that because it was not the will of god in the beginning but at the beginning of creation god made them male and female see not male and male that's why the church doesn't the church doesn't promote homosexuality the church doesn't promote same-sex marriages and we cannot because in the beginning it was not male and male he says that it was male and female that was the intended purpose of god but now the church has moved into a different direction where we come becomes male and male the church has entered into the imperfect will of god but at the beginning of creation god made them male and female so that's why me personally i don't want a marriage certificate uh, a license i don't i'd rather borrow it because I am not going to be put in a position where I'm compelled by this government law to marry same sex. I will not. I refuse it. So they can't hold me accountable because I got no license. They can hold the person that has a license accountable, but not me. Because there's pastors that are even getting arrested for refusal of marrying, marrying homosexuals. Imagine that day. Imagine that. So what has happened? We moved outside of the law of God. 
We move outside of his world and we have entered into his imperfect will of God and which causes much trouble. Let's look at verse 7. I don't know why I'm preaching like this today. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. That's what I said. Verses 8. And the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one. People that are married, this is very important. I know it's difficult to become one. I know becoming one is the most extreme, most difficult part. The scripture is not talking about being one sexually. You know that, yeah? Because being one sexually is, it's easy. Anybody can do that. To be one sexually, very easy. Some of us can be one sexually with five different people. Oh, you're quiet. <laughs> I, was, I was saying that most of us, the reason why we're not married, we, we need to bind them, says, is that because you're already married. She says that. The reason why you're not married is because you're married, married. Because you've got John, Michael, Brian, this one, that one, you haven't yet divorced from them. Because when you sleep with them, you become one with them. Bible says, he wears six with all it, becomes one with all it. So you become one with them. So Brian, John, Sandra, whoever's <laughs> older. <laughs> no, Sister Sandra, no, Sister Sandra. All the peoples are still in you. So God can't bring your husband or your wife to you because you've got all these other peoples inside of you. So the Bible says over here, therefore what God has joined together, let no man. This was what? In the beginning. How the guy says beginning? In the beginning. A beginning, yes. In the beginning. That means that this, is how, this was God's plan. This was how God wanted it. This was how God fashioned it. He never fashioned divorce. If God has joined them together, let no man separate them. Now look at the question. Oh, I'm going to preach now. Look at this. Listen, listen to this. Eh? Some versions, Mark 10 verses 9 says, If God, some say, therefore what God? So most of us are married, but God never bring us together. Not all marriages, oh man, I'm telling you something. Not all marriages is God ordained. So you think I'm lying. So you think because, let's say, for example, Laverne, I leave my wife, I come and marry you. How is that God ordained? And then I marry Candace. Polygamy in the Bible, you know what's there, eh? And then I marry you, then I marry you, then I marry Tasha, then I marry Melissa, and I have ten wives. In the scripture, those things were allowed. They had lots of wives. How many wives David had? And concubines. Did God ever, you see in the scripture that God rebuked David because of his wives? There's no way. Literally, you saw in the scripture where God says, you are not allowed to have so many wives. I've never seen it in the scripture. I've never seen it. So it's kind of like God is promoting polygamy. Yeah, it kind of looks like, I'm saying this because of the hardness of their hearts. But imagine that happened. It's not the will of God. I marry you, I marry you, I marry you. So it means my joining to you is not God's will. So some people get married and it's not God that joined them together. I wish you would understand what I'm saying today. Remember I said to you, and all those that are single and all those that are in relationships and probably wanting to get married, one of the most 
toughest decisions you would make in your entire life. One and you must consider it 100% being prayer and fasting is the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Very, very, very important. You know, Brady Manning, I wish years ago, even me and Deline will tell you, I wish years ago some people say, I'm preaching to you. I wish somebody would preach to me like that. I wish somebody was there preaching to me like that. Because me and Deline wouldn't have been married the time we were married. Because we knew we wanted ready for that marriage. You know the amount of problems that we had in the beginning of the marriage. I, I knew that if we had married in the right time, God would have God have blessed us. But we married prematurely, so we entered into the imperfect will of God in the beginning. Until we had to align ourselves correctly. Oh, you understand what I'm saying? Why? Because number one, we were impatient. So number one, why do people go to Ephesians 5:17 now? Why do people and how why do people enter into the imperfect will of God? Why and how do they do it? How do you get to that place? What's my time like? Please, somebody. 25 to so. I got 20 minutes or 15 minutes, right? Okay, so how do you enter into the imperfect will of God? Number one is when you don't hear the voice of God accurately. That's the first thing. How you enter into the imperfect will of God. I realized, I realized years ago that sometimes me as a husband i'm not always right many of us can can testify that hey, as a husband as a partner i'm not always right the reason why i'm contrasting marriage to what i'm talking about today it's a lot of times i'm mentioning marriage yeah, yeah. sorry sorry i realize that i'm not always right even though i want to be right i'm not always right it's because sometimes i hear my own voice talking and I don't listen to her voice. Yo, 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 yo. Hey, and some marriage couples will just look straight. Don't look at each other. Just look to the screen. That's fine, right? Because I realize something that we become stubborn and we think that we know it all. And some of the mistakes we make, <laughs> some of the mistakes, amen, hallelujah. Some of the mistakes we make in our marriage, that is because we never hear accurately. Most of the time, some of the arguments that me and Delina have, she would say, I said this, and I would say, you never say this. And she would say, I did say it. And I would say, you never say it. And she would say, I did say it, and then I never, and then we'd have an argument. Something's wrong with your hearing. I said it, but you never hear. And then I would say it, and she would never hear. You understand what I'm saying? It means that there was an inaccurate hearing of the voice. So because of the inaccurate hearing, it caused a lot of trouble. Now let's look at this verse. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand the, what the Lord's will is for your life. Other versions put it. Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is for your life. I hope you're getting this now. Don't be foolish, but understand what the voice of the Lord is. Amen. And most of us are very foolish because we don't understand the voice of the Lord. Remember I told you years ago, I met a brother. Sorry, I'm just putting my password in. I met a brother and this brother said he heard the voice of the Lord tell him that he mustn't read the Bible. That he mustn't read the Bible. Amen. 
Yeah, the voice of the Lord told him that he mustn't read the Bible. So, you don't have to be foolish in hearing or knowing the will of God for your life. Sometimes the will of God is outlined for us through the scriptures. But you would not know the will of God for your life if you don't read the Bible, right? So, 1 Samuel chapter 3, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses number 7. We spoke about it shortly. That Samuel had to go to Eli and say to Eli, did you call me? Why? Because Samuel wasn't accurately sure that God spoke to him. He wasn't sure that what he was hearing was the voice of God. So he went to Eli and says, Eli, did you call me? Eli said, no, I never call you. He went again, the voice spoke to him again. He went to Eli again, did you call me? He said, no, I never call you. So the Bible says that Samuel perceived that the Lord was calling the young man. God was speaking to him. So he says, next time you hear the voice, go back and say, here am I, Lord, speak to me. You understand? Why? Because Samuel was still a babe. He couldn't hear. He never developed the art of hearing God's voice. So he still needed to know what God was saying to him. What God was saying to him. So you need to develop the art of hearing God's voice. Hearing it accurately. So we move into the imperfect will of God. Because we never hear from God accurately. You understand? Like let me, let me, I'm sure Melissa you don't mind if I use you as an example. Eh? It always comes from a place of love. Let's say for example, I remember Melissa came to me. And Melissa said to me that hey, she just needs to step down from her couple of things remember in the ministry and i was like okay cool for me it's always did you hear from the lord or you know all of these i would like to ask all these questions about things pertaining to that so it wasn't that melissa heard the voice of god she never yelled it was how she was feeling at that specific time you understand that hey, I need to focus on other things, so I just need to just drop some of the things that I'm doing, which is which we sometimes we encourage if you feel that it's becoming we don't want you to be burnt out, right? Which is something that is acceptable, right? But you would find out you can even ask Melissa if you want to ask her after church service, is that her stepping away from actively doing the work of God or her stepping down from certain things within the ministry just to become let's say for example to be passive and do nothing it's a very dangerous place to be right so as she stepped down in the beginning she would not see it on the onset but her stepping down from doing the work of God would have a direct effect on her relationship with God Am I right, Melissa? It would have a direct effect on a relation. And anybody here for that matter? Anybody here for that matter? Because oh, be accurately hearing his voice is important for your growth and your development. If by some chance Melissa accurately heard the voice of God and the voice of God said to her, step down from ministry don't don't do ministry for example it means that she must grow to a certain point spiritually that is extremely high high but do you know most of the time Lyle that the work of God and our growth work hand in hand so it's like I'm working for the Lord because God would speak to me to work for him. God will say, do this. There's no one that can accurately say that God tells them not to do nothing for him. I've never seen that. 
I've never seen it in scripture. I've never seen it in the word of God. God will never tell you not to do nothing for him. So in a place of that, where you enter into the imperfect will of God, is because of inaccurately hearing God. Like I said, we are not led by our emotions. We are led by hearing the voice of God. And Samuel in this time, he didn't understand. And now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So when the word of the Lord is not revealed to you, don't make sudden moves. Stay where you are. Continue doing what you're doing until the word of the Lord is revealed to you. When the word of the Lord is revealed to you, then you make a move. So you see, Samuel didn't know the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. He went to Eli so that Eli could guide him because he couldn't hear accurately. And he knew that Eli heard the voice accurately. Eli, what do you think? I'm coming to submit what I heard. You think this is the voice of God? Why? Because the voice of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And Eli will say to him, yes, my son, Samuel, that is the voice of God for your life. You following what I'm saying, right? Um, John chapter 3, verses 19. So we enter into the perfect will of God. I want to give you six before we leave. I've got 15 minutes left, right? We enter into the perfect will of God. One, because we don't hear the voice of God accurately. Number two is because God has given us free will. Free will. I think it is God's intention or God's plan that everybody serves Him. Absolutely. He says, I desire that none should perish, but that all should come what? Repentance. God wants everyone to repent. But then He says, I desire that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So it's God's will that you don't perish. Amen. It's God's will that you get saved. But not everybody is saved. Why? Because God doesn't force his will on anyone. You know, it's very, un- it's very unfortunate and we still have lots of love for her. Uh, Nicola decided on her own, even though it was not our will for her. It was not something that we wanted for her. When she came, she said she wants to leave home and she wants to go back. Uh, and I said, this is bad decision you're making. It's not what God wants for you. And so, so are you deciding that this is what you want to do for your life? And she said to me, yes, this is what I want to do. As much as I, as a, as a father, see that it's bad for her, I see that she's going to enter into wrong things. I can't decide for her because she has free will and plus she's over 21. She's going to be 21 you understand so as much as i would like to decide for you at that time i couldn't decide for you i would like to make the decision for you i couldn't make the decision for you so i had to allow her to make that decision for herself which is not a good decision which is a bad decision that will cause her to enter into lots of trouble but she had she made it for herself so God is the same way, is that even though he tells you to do something, Tasha, God will never force that decision, what he wants onto you. Because he's not like that. Because he has given us free will. But it seems as though people love darkness 
more than they love light. It seems as though people love evil more than they love righteousness. It, it, there's, a, there's, a, there's a picture that we have. We were in the opening, in the last opening that we went to. Uh, there was the, 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 the evangelist and then they were going to pray for these young boys that were, that were shooting. And they said to them, come for prayer. Come and, come and pray. Go to the altar. Come and pray. Go and pray. Go and pray. Those boys outright refused. refused. They said, no, they're not going. They're not going for prayer. They, these are the boys that are shooting. These are the boys that are involved with gangsterism. They said, no, we're not going for prayer. And they walked away. It's because they've decided to choose the part for their life. If God had his way, would God choose for them? Absolutely, yes. If God had his way with your life in most of the decisions that you made, would God choose for you? Absolutely, yes. Would God choose for me? Absolutely, yes. But he has given us free will. He gives us options, and then we have to decide. But he doesn't force himself on you. Unlike when you're living in your parents' house, when you live in your parents' house, hey, my rules, yeah. There's no free will here. It's my will or the highway. You understand? When you're out, you can, yeah, free will is freely given to you. It's like when you're a baby. Even though you want your child to make decisions, your child is not at that level of making decisions yet. So you have to decide what shoe they're going to wear, what top they're going to wear, or, you know, what hairstyle you want for them not at the liberty to decide so with some of our children that are under our roof they not at the capacity to decide so we have to decide for them at a certain point you understand now when we grow to a certain level with God God gives us options God gives us choices you understand life or death blessings or curses you have to choose Annabelle if you don't choose you're going to be in you you're going to see yourself in trouble either it's not like you have to choose. The options are there. Whatever direction you decide to go is the choice you decided to make. Do you know that without saying, I choose this? So I even said to Nicola, I said, you want to go back to darkness? No, no, I'm not. I said, but the choice you made, you already made a decision what you're going back into. Without, us, without me saying, choose. Do you understand? So most of us choose without saying, I chose, I chose to do wrong. We chose the wrong without saying it. Because our actions chose for us. Some, some people, that's, that's why for me, okay, we'll get there, right? So this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, which is Jesus. But men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Their deeds were evil. They loved what? Darkness. In, even though light has come, yeah. you choose the darkness instead of the light. Because the, your deeds were evil. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. So no, mat, no matter how many times you preach to them. No, that's why sometimes I feel like, I, I said it before, I said it's like, hey, some people, we don't know if they'll get saved. Yeah? <laughs> the, way, the way they behave and the way they carry on. But we still have to continue to preach so that they can come to Christ. Are you with me? Amen. Number 3, 1 Samuel 8, verses 4 to 5. Free will is dangerous. Be careful of free will. 1 Samuel 8, 4 to 5. That's why Jesus said to, to the Lord, Jesus said, God, if it's possible, let this cup pass me by. But nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want. So Jesus had a choice to, to leave the cross. You know that there? 
He could have said, Belinda, at that time, Ooh, sorry, Charlie, I'm not going to this cross. Let somebody else do it. Remember, I spoke about it was the last week. But he went, right? He went, nevertheless, because he wasn't concerned about what he wanted. He wanted to do his will, not he wanted to do God's will, not his will. And that's the place that we need to get. This is good teaching. I hope you are getting something today because I'm telling you it's going to save you a lot of trouble. He wanted to do what he wanted to do, not what God wanted to do. So that's where we get. He could have left, but he says, not what I want, but what you want. You want that man. God saying, I don't want that man. You want that job. God said, I don't want the job. So you have to humble yourself and get to a point and say, God, not what... And if God is more important to you, certain decisions will become very easy. You know that? They become very easy. Why? Because God is important to you. If God's not important to you, certain decisions will become very difficult. So when God says, let go, because He's more important to me than anybody else, I would let go easy. But most of the times it's because of free will, what we want. Sometimes I wish, Maurice, that God would just decide for us. You know, none of us believe that you would just, if you, maybe you struggling with an addiction, you would just wish that God would choose for you, you know. Instead of drugs, instead of alcohol, instead of crime, instead, just God choose for me because I find it very difficult to choose for myself. Even as an adult, you find it very difficult to choose what kind of life you want to live. Do you know that? You find it very difficult to choose what road you want to go on. Inside of you saying, I don't want to sit and drink with my friends. Something's inside of you saying, I don't want to gossip. I don't want to, I don't want to talk about men and women of God. I don't want to do all these things. But it's difficult to choose not to do it. It's difficult. So you like say, God, choose for me, please. <laughs> just, just choose for me because I'm finding it hard. Because I'm drawn to this. And I'm drawn to you. So choose for me. Even some of the young, even when it comes to our prayer life and the reading of the word, hey, God, just decide it for me. Like, you know, wake me up in the morning, take me to the bathroom, wash my face, and get me in that prayer room. Because when it's cold, my body's saying to me, don't go pray. When I got so much TV programs, my Netflix and everything, I need to catch up. I miss so many. It's telling me that I must watch these series. I don't feel like watching. I want to pray. Because genuinely in your heart, you want to do what God wants. But because of free will and the enticing things and the distractions of the world, it's you choose the world rather than God. And God can't say nothing because he has given you free will. He only can tell you, what did you do? How can you do that? Why? Because you got free will. Even me as your pastor, I can't force you to come to church. You know that? Can't. Can't. That's why when people don't come to church, it's like I, I, I sometimes shake up, but it's like I don't force the habit. My pastor used to force the habit. He'll call you while he's in service and he'll say to you, where are you? No pastor, I'm at home. I woke up late. Get ready. I'm coming for you now. That's how he would do it. So you have to get ready. He's coming. He'll leave church while they're doing praise and worship. He's coming to pick you up. So he took the free will out of you. 
You decided I'm late, I'm not going. He says, no, I'm taking that free will out of you. I'm coming for you. And me personally, I won't do that. If someone wants to be in a place where we can't force people to serve God or to worship God. It doesn't benefit me. I said it before. Serving God doesn't benefit me. Benefits you. So when you don't serve God, it's not like you're doing me a disfavor. I'm not going to be miserable. Yes. I'm not going to, my heart's going to be so that you're not serving God, but I won't be miserable. It's not going to change a thing in my life. It'll change a, something in your life, not in my life. You not coming to church doesn't change a thing in my life. Because as you'll know that me, I can preach, I can teach, like I say, even if there's three people, I'll still be able to teach. People don't move me, numbers don't move me. I learned that a long time ago, it moved me before, but it can't move me anytime now. My message doesn't change based on how many people are here. I don't change the topic of my preaching because I feel this topic of preaching is for a crowd. No, God says preach this, I preach this. Even if there were five of you, I would preach it. You understand? So you coming to church doesn't really doesn't really change me. I always say to people, when somebody when somebody enters into the perfect will of God when they want to leave a church, don't don't prevent them. Unless they backslidden, prevent them. But if they're not backslidden, don't prevent them. Because you'll be saving that person. It's like the prodigal son, Lyle. The prodigal son decided to leave the father's house. Free will. He decided to go. The father gave him, but did the father want that for his son? The father wanted the son to stay. But the son wanted to go. So the father left him, let him go. So some of the people that feel that they have that mind that they want to go, we let them go. We don't compel them to stay. Because if you stay, you'll be more rebellious when you stay. You'll be more bitter. You'll be more angry. Because you want to go, but we're forcing you to stay. Some people that leave, sometimes, I was saying to Lyle the other day, some people that leave, sometimes it's an answer to prayer. Because they have built up a, rebelli- uh, a rebellious nature on the inside of them. So when, when they go, it's, it's actually, it's like a, a blessing in a sense. Why? Because of the rebellion. And you don't want to you don't want to be in a place. Imagine one, two, three. This is my family. Good child, good child, evil child. You don't want to be around the evil child. <laughs> you understand? So the child has built a rebellion within her heart. And she says, I'm leaving. Let her go. You understand? When she's of age. You understand, you understand what I'm saying? So, the, the, idea, the idea of God is that He wants to decide for you, but He won't decide for you because He has given you free will, right? So, what did I mention is this, let's look at it. So, all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel and Rama. Let's go. And they said to him, you are old and your sons will not walk in your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. Let's stop there, right? So, one of the reasons why we enter into the imperfect will of God is because we look at other people and we compete with other people. And because we're trying to live like them, or just because we're trying to gain popularity with them and to feel like them, we don't enter into our own. We don't enter into what God has for us because we're trying to be like other people. Don't try and be like other people. They drive a car, let them drive a car, continue with your bicycle and walk. <laughs> you understand? Live the way you're supposed to live. Nothing wrong with a bicycle. Is there anything wrong with a bicycle? I've been a bicycle. 
I used to come to church with a bicycle. I'm not competing with no one in the church. I'm not competing with Bishop Oliver. I'm not competing with Grace Sabanaka. I'm in no competition with them and whatsoever. I'm not in competition with wearing the best suits. I don't, it's not something that I attain to. It is something that I must want. It's that your, your passion for souls is something if I want to be like you, it must be because you win souls. Not because of your dress code, not because of anything else. He says, appoint us a king like other people. They didn't understand that God was their king. And God was upset. Remember the scripture? God was mad. But God allowed it. And the reason why God allowed it is because they entered into the imperfect will of God because they wanted to be like other people. Not because you're not married. Now you feel some, some form of way. Allow yourself to stay single. God is working on you. Deal with it. Don't walk around every time I want a man, I want a man, I want a man, I want a man, I want a man. You can't stop thinking about wanting a man. And when you get a man, the first thing you do is fornicate. Hey, Lord. So, it's, it's, it's important for you to understand this. You know, I told you I don't like, I tell, like it to tell it. But the reason why I'm saying this here is that because everybody, this is one of the things that most people, hey, my, my time is cooking, everybody around me is getting married, I'm still single. Who said you need to be like them? Then you married a man that abuses you. So be careful, amen. Second Samuel chapter 11 verses 1. I'm, I'm about to finish one minute. I got left, but you're going to give me an extra three or five minutes. Is that okay? Amen. Hallelujah. Second Samuel chapter 11 verses 1. It was the time that kings were supposed to go to war. It was the times that kings supposed to go and fight battle. But David sent other people. And the scripture says that David rested. He took it easy. So most of us enter into the imperfect will of God when we rest in a place, when we, when we, oh sorry, we rest when it's time to work. Yeah. So you see when people get blessed, right? Let's say for example, you got blessings, money came in, in numbers and stuff like you got lots of money, millions and millions of rands, right? Now that you got the millions of rands, you, you, you like relaxed. You take it easy, baby. Or now, for example, our church is big. And we got thousands of people coming to church. I rest, I take it easy. I'm like, ah, I'm taking it easy. Look, let's look at this first, right? In the springtime, when kings go off to war, where kings go? What they go do at war? They go fight, right? David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. So because David got to the, to the ability where he could send people to go and fight for him, he never go to the war. He rested because he had the capacity now to send anyone he could to go and fight this battle. So he decided to take it easy. He decided to rest. Now the Bible says David... In the time kings went toward David sent Joab with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbit, but David remained in Jerusalem. The word remained there, other versions, I think the King James version says, but David rested in Jerusalem. David rested in Jerusalem. And he wasn't supposed to rest in Jerusalem. Because it was when he rested in Jerusalem that he saw that lady brought in. 
Where was he supposed to be? He was supposed to be in war. But he was on the rooftop and he saw a lady parting. And he killed the lady's husband. And he made the lady pray. Oh my Jesus. He made, his lie is serious. Yeah? He made the lady pregnant. The lady became pregnant. Uh, her husband was on the battlefield. He said, sent Joab, go call the husband to come back and sleep with his wife so that my small sin I did with her, nobody sees because they'll say that she's pregnant from him, not from me. So the husband came home intending, he, he came home from war, but he didn't want to go to, to come home because he knew that the children of Israel were fighting a battle and he needed to be there. So when the king called him, he says, hey, I'm not feeling comfortable. He never even go, he never even sleep with his wife. He refused to see, he did not even touch her because his mind was on war. His mind was supposed to be where David's mind was. But David tried to cover up the sin. The man never touched nothing. He never touched his woman. Never touched her not once. And the scripture says that David said now, hey, we have to cover up the story now. Because now she's, she's pregnant and they're going to know that I'm the one that's, or maybe there's a rumor. She will obviously expose me that I'm the one that made her pregnant and stuff. And the Bible says, Lyle, that he said to Jeb, put What's his name? Someone help me. Uriah. Put Uriah in the front. Now, front of the battle is a very scary place to be. Imagine we're all going to Woodstock and all of us, and they got guns, and we, we, and, and you say, hey, I'm putting London in the front. And London's over there in the front. Yes, we'll show you. First shot, London's dead. David knew what he was doing. David knew what he was doing. He was setting this whole thing up. David knew what he was doing. So he did that. And the Bible says that when he did that, uh, the boy died. Imagine that day. Look at that. Imagine that the son, the, the husband of this woman, he tried to cover up the sin. And the husband, he killed the husband. Why? Because he rested. Most of us lose the blessing because we rest. Most of us lose our relationship with God because we rest. We take it easy. We take things slow. We don't rush this thing. We, we're excited. We move forward with a lot of zeal and we don't rest. It's important that in the time of war, in the time when you're supposed to fight, in the time when you're supposed to do something, you work for God. Look at someone and say, work for God. For example, look at us, yeah? Look at us. We did a crusade. We, we pray every morning, 5 o'clock. Did open air. We were supposed to rest. We Even now, we're supposed to rest and not come back tonight. But in a place of rest, we work. Ah, I see you working for the Lord. Amen. There's no time I'm having a holiday. I'm having a break. I'm taking it easy. No, as for me, I'm, I work for the Lord. We work for the Lord. Amen. Look at somebody and say, work for the Lord. Number five. Because of impatience. Exodus chapter number 32 verses one. Because of impatience. I'm going to like microwave blessings. Hallelujah. You pray for it now and it comes now. Hey. My, wife, my, my, my microwave at home is finished now. It's broken. She was too, hey, sh I opened the microwave. I realized that it was the fuse over there that's damaged. So I need to get a fuse, right? But it's broken. 
Now when we eat and we want to keep the food over, hey, it takes long now. It's a process now. It's taking too long to eat. To wait until the food, because the microwave broke. And I haven't gotten time to try and sort it out. I think it's like maybe two, three months I don't have a microwave now. Hey, my wife is, hey, my wife's not happy. <laughs> you know, the microwave is just under there, you know, it's just there. And when you put something under, you don't see it often. You just ignore the thing, you know. So I've been ignoring it for a long time. But most of us like microwave blessings, am I right? The blessing must come now, the miracle must come now. Lord, I, I, I it's been a week now. I've been praying and still never get an answer. We want the blessing to come in a microwave form. But God wants you to defrost it nicely. Put hot water over there. Yeah, that's now that's what we're doing. We have to boil a kettle when we want the meat to defrost. We normally put it in a microwave, make it now. We have to put it in hot water. Hey, leave it in the sun. Allow the sun, the process of the sun to, to help us. It's becoming a very difficult thing now. So, but nevertheless, we go through the process. It takes a while. It takes a while. Even the boats we had, it, it was long. We put it in the sun. There was a process. Then I think Ramon and him went. They came by you, Candace, to put it in a microwave, to put it in hot water. You see now. What's a process? Because that thing was out from the morning. In the evening, it still wasn't soft. Hey! But anyway, the scripture shows over here, when the people saw that Moses was long in coming down from the mountain, how was Moses? He was taking long way from coming down from the mountain and telling them what God was saying. So they became very anxious and they became very worried because they were impatient. And the Bible says they gathered around Aaron and said, come make us gods who will go before us. And for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Hey, before they were singing Moses' praise, now that he's taking long with the answer. That's how people are. When, when we used to do prophecy and stuff, people like you when you are prophets. Yeah. They like you when you can prophesy. They like you when you can tell them something. The moment you stop, it's like, they, who's this person here? Hey, I don't even think he has the spirit of God in him. Why? Because they don't see anything in you now because you're not prophesying. Because you were delaying in prophecy. Moses delayed. Moses delayed on the mountain or God was speaking to him on the mountain and the Bible says that they came to Aaron and said make make us make us a God so that we can worship and Aaron did that and the result of them walking around 40 was it 40 years am I right 40 years in the wilderness was only because of their disobedience because they were impatient to wait on Moses now imagine those same things happening in your life because of your impatience to wait on God. Satan comes and brings things to you. Satan's making you walk around in bodies. Some of you are supposed to be out of your relationship a long time ago, but you, hey, you're not patient to wait on God. Some of you, even the relationships that you are in, you're not patient to wait on God, to wait. To wait. We rush. We don't wait. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So when you wait on God, young people, yeah, my, my young people, have the boys and girls far from your mind. Telling you, focus on other things. Give your attention on something else than boys. Don't. Don't. Because it's going to destroy you, I'm telling you. 
I'm talking from experience. Most you'll find out most men of God, brother Charles, you can even you would even be able to testify, or some of us will be able to. Most men of God, one of the major things that the enemy distracts men of God with is females. You know that me personally, I've never, I've never, I've never kissed another female after my marriage, never kissed another female, never slept with another female. But in my in my marriage, I was it wasn't like tempted, I would have wrong conversations that I wasn't supposed to have. It was the enemy trying to come into my marriage and separate my marriage. So one of the most things that can be a heavy distraction for any man of God and even for a woman of God is females and males. I'm telling you. So make sure you get your mind off of these things. If you're so much seeking God, seek God with everything that you have. And it will help you. I'm telling you, it will help you. Don't don't worry about these things. They are an assignment of the enemy to take you out of the will of God. And sometimes we see it, but we, we still engage. But God wants to do something in our lives. God wants to do something amazing in your family. Don't allow these things to distract you. That was my, remember I told you, my wife gave me one hot club. One hot club. She gave it to me. Why? Because there was a distraction. Because my mind, your mind was centered on other things. My mind was centered on wrong things. Never caught a clap from a female before, but I got it. And that clap I'll remember for the rest of my life. It'll always be my testimony. I got a clap. It'll be my testimony, amen. So, even to the point, I want to say, I want to say this with all love. It's don't don't keep don't keep things away from each other. Be open on your phone. Be open on your WhatsApp. Be open. Don't block. I'm not saying block. Don't uh, have this code. You you are like when once you want them to see, you quickly change. It. Oh no, this is the code. It's fine. And then when you don't want them to see, you change the code back. You understand? Just just be open. I know sometimes. Come on, I'm I'm telling you something. Can, can we be honest? We're going to have a men's breakfast soon. I think it's on the 20th or something. Can we have to be honest with one another? I'm serious. You have to be honest with one another. As a brother, if you don't fight for your relationship, if you don't fight to stay with one person, do you know you need the grace of God to stay with one person? I'm telling you. Because it's not easy to stay with one person. It's not. But we, you know what we do? Because we charge people, we think, oh, the brother, if his mind is somewhere else, then he's probably demonic. It's not easy to stay with one person. Especially if the one person is like what Proverbs says, a nagging wife that needs to be on the roof. You'd rather be on the roof than with a nagging wife. Imagine you staying with that one person that is nagging. The Bible says she's like a dripping tap. Have you seen a dripping? So staying with one is difficult. I'm telling so you need the grace of God to remain with one. And it's because of our impatience, because most of the times men have options, brothers. Men have options. Sometimes women don't have options. You all she has. 
Sometimes, not all the time. Sometimes. Maybe they got options. <laughs> Sometimes. They, they, you all they have. So you got option because of the oil on your life, the anointing on your life. You would have options. Do you know that? A good looking sister in the church would love you and she knows you sitting next to your wife. Yes. Huh? I'm telling you. Beautiful sister with a good heart. She won't even know why she's feeling some way for you. I'm telling you, brother Dennis, sister Carmen, you must hold him tightly because you don't even know. brothers and sisters you just think hey they they just like the anointing the oil or whatever they're after your man oh you, um, you think i'm playing guys this happens in the church this happens in the house of god there was a sister that would come and sit in the house with us she, i had no idea the sister wanted my bones i had no idea I had no idea. Lyle, when I say I had no idea, I had no idea the sister wanted me. I thought she was, she she came new into the ministry, hey, loving the church and everything. But the sister was after me. Hey. She had options. I had options now. I had an option. Oh, she also had options because she was married too. I had options. I had options. I had to now, hey, my wife was giving me problems. Hey, I got another option here. Yeah. Once these options, it becomes a problem. So avoid all options in your life. Hey, I'm preaching good today, yeah? Hey, I know I'm preaching good today. So the, 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 the scripture is clear because they had options of making another God. They were impatient to wait on the promise of God. Same thing with Abraham. Abraham was not to take Hagar as his wife. But God allowed it because the promise was not through Hagar. Even though God blessed uh, Ishmael, the promise wasn't Ishmael. The promise was Isaac. But because there was an option, God saw his heart and said, okay, I'll allow it. But it's not what he wanted. Hey, that's a scary thing, right? What God allows, but he doesn't want. Sure. Mm, mm, mm. That's very scary. Lost one, are you ready to go home? Amen. How many minutes you gave me? Extra 15 minutes. Hey, you are good people, I tell you. Genesis 16, verses 2. You are the best church ever in this entire world. Amen. Genesis 16, verses 2. This, my church, I'm very proud of this church. I kid you not. Proud of this church. It's one of the unique churches in Wentworth. That you'll even come to a sermon and you, the sermon will be like this. And we'll talk like this. Me, I'm not preaching, I'm talking. <laughs> I'm not preaching, I'm talking. I'm not, I don't get excited to go back to my notes. Then like a big pastor's preacher, then you'll sit in there and run to their notes. I'm, and they're running. And the next point is, no, I'll relax. I take my time. I get there when I get there. Amen. Hallelujah. See, now I forgot what I wanted to say. What's my point? Hey, 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 hey. Yes, Genesis 16, 2. Most of us enter into the imperfect will of God because of human manipulation. Human manipulation. Do you know that people can manipulate us into, to enter into what they want for us, not rather than what God wants for us? So that's why you must be very concerned about the people that you have around you. So she said to Abraham, the Lord, oh, I said this here. She said to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Who manipulated her? Who, who manipulated Abraham? 
Siri, his wife. She was the one that said, go sleep with my maidservant. You, you understand? Go sleep with her. Imagine that day. Yo, yo, yo. Someone, some of us would say, I wish I had a wife like that. Yeah? Oh, brother. Someone, some men would say, hey, I wish my wife was like that. <laughs> Caroline, you're laughing. Imagine your wife saying, Hey, go, 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 my husband. No, you, you understand? Go, go and sleep with her. So the scripture says that she said to Abraham, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abraham agreed to what Sarah had said. But it wasn't the will of God, it wasn't the plan of God. It wasn't what God said, but Abraham had agreed to it. You understand? So there was human manipulation. So one of the major things we have a problem with is this. Let's say, for example, God is speaking to you, right? I was, I don't know, I forgot who I was talking to you. So I said, God is speaking to you and God is saying, go and, go and, go and do the work of God. Go to Cape Town and go and start a church. That's God's voice, that's God's voice to you. But do you know human manipulation can encourage you out of what God said. My, my uncle came to me when I decided to go to Bible college and he says, don't you want to do something better with your life? Like that, right? So go, go work, go do A, B and C and D. Do something better with your life. So for me, that was like, he was giving me it's a human manipulation. So I decided at that time when he told me, even though I wanted to do it, I never go. The first time I was supposed to go to Bible college. But that was what? Human manipulation. To try and change my mind with regards to the will of God for my life. This is deep. This is very deep. My pastors came to me, and I'm closing with this. My pastors came to me and they said to me this. When I decided that it was time for me to leave, right? They said to me, why didn't God speak to the prophets? Or why didn't God speak to so-and-so and so-and-so to tell you? And they didn't want me to go, but I knew that this is what God wanted for me. I knew that this is what God's will for my life was, but I didn't want to. Uh, they didn't want me to because of the amount of work I was doing in the church, right? Cut a long story short, it was easy for them. They said to me, make sure when you go, don't open a church in Wentworth. She said, because if you open a church in Wentworth, you're going to hurt the flock. But in my mind, I knew they weren't talking about the flock that I was going to be hurting. They just didn't want me in close proximity to where they were functioning and where they were busy, right? Nevertheless, I obeyed. I said, no, you know what? I'm not going to do it, even though I felt God bringing me to my community. Because I was in Joburg for a while. And then the Lord said, come back. And I didn't want to come back because always, all I heard was, don't start a church in winter. Don't start a church in winter. Don't do a work in winter. So I didn't want to come back and start anything in winter. So when I was busy, I was doing openings and stuff. Because the church in Johannesburg, when I, where I was doing missionary work, I was working there in the ministry and I was fine. But when the Lord told me to come back, because not even the Lord told me to come back. The Lord spoke to me. But somebody, you know, Jason Abraham, that time me and, me and him weren't close and he, he sent me a message he says my brother your community needs you 
He says, the Lord is telling me to tell you that your community needs you. Come home. And I never understood it then, but I remember the God, way God called me to. You understand you following what I'm trying to say, right? So, when they were, those voices were there, what did those voices do? It was human manipulation to try and take me out of the will of God for my life into what they want. It's like you're sitting around people that are divorced. You know that you're supposed to stay in your marriage. Hey, you see, marriage is a big thing today in church. Can you see I'm talking about marriage a lot? You know you're supposed to stay in your marriage. But what in common do you have with somebody that is divorced and that is bitter because of a man? What's going to happen? Human manipulation is going to come in. It's going to sneak its way into the marriage. Why? Because you're sitting with people that have different mindsets. You, If you're in a relationship, don't always be around single people. I'm telling you. If you're in a relationship planning to get married, find couples in the house of God. Find couples that you can be with to talk to. Because when you're with somebody that's single, for example, if I'm, I'm having an issue with you, what would be the easiest thing if I'm single? They say, don't worry about the cherry. Don't worry about her. what she can give you, nothing. Or even your girlfriends. I don't worry, you must never be controlled by a man. Don't make a man control you. That's how it works, am I right? That's how it works. So when you sit with people that are not in relationships, they are always the one that will encourage, disencourage you out of that relationship. I'm telling you. But when you sit with people that are, there's couples you are sitting with, even if you are you're in a relationship, the best advice I can give you, become friends with married people. So you can have an idea what marriage is going to look like. Can't be with single people that are not even in a relationship and then you're getting advice from a single person. The advice they're going to give you is to leave. Why? Because of human manipulation. This verse here is so powerful. I don't know if you can see this verse. I really don't know if you can see this verse. God intended for him to marry Sarah. The promise was through Sarah. But human manipulation came into play. And the scripture says, go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Perhaps. And God, do you know God allowed it? It's not what God wanted. Because God knew, you don't mess with a woman. He knew it. He knew that Sarah was either going to force the situation. It was either Abraham complied. (laughs) It's either he complied. I'm going to say comply. Uh, It's either he complied to what she was doing or what she said or it's going to end up funny. Let's stand to our feet, amen. Hope you were blessed this morning. Only two people were blessed. I said I hope you were blessed this morning. Amen. This is this is what we this is what we 